if, if you are considering baptism and you just haven't, um, you know, you, you're on the fence um, whether or not you'd like to be baptized, uh, I'd encourage you just to come and talk to me after service is out. And uh, there's still time. All you pretty much need is some, some shorts or trunks or something so that we can baptize you in that, unless you want to go down in, in pants and, you know, nice shirts. So, but uh, just come and talk to me about that. It is a, it is a step of obedience after you decide to follow Christ, the first thing that Jesus commanded us to do was to be baptized. And so it's not tied to our salvation. It's not tied to our... Um, it doesn't earn anything as far as salvation. It's a step forward after you've decided to follow Christ. It's a public announcement um, saying, I've committed my life to Jesus Christ. I want to identify myself with Him. Just like a marriage band um, signifies that, you know, that I'm married... Um, baptism signifies that I belong to Christ. So um, it's a picture. It's a public picture of that commitment that you've made. And so um, if you have any questions about it, feel free to come talk to me. If you just don't feel like you're ready to do that, that's fine as well. I can give you some information. You can read through that. So um, today we're looking at the last part of a series on on God's heart for us. Uh, A few weeks ago we looked at just how He has a heart for um, all people. And the nations, and we, we were, were supporting some folks that are going out overseas. And we talked last week about God's heart for just everyone all over the world. And thinking through how we can um, be on the same page and have the same heart as God. And so there's six folks from, uh, from our congregation that are going overseas. And so we prayed for them last week and um, had them share with us. And a couple weeks ago, before that, we looked at God's heart um, to pursue us, how God actually goes after us. He takes initiative in our life to, to build a relationship, to begin a relationship with us, and then we respond to that. And so this week, I want to look at God, how he guides us. Um, guidance is a really important thing. We all need guidance. Um, has anyone ever been on a tour and hired a tour guide? You know, it's important if you're in different places or you're just unfamiliar with the territory to get somebody who knows what's really going on or what has happened there. That's really important. Um, I was fascinated with the, the movie or with John F. Kennedy, our president who was, who was assassinated. My dad, when I was a teenager, he would talk to me about that experience and how the memories of when he was younger and when that happened and just all of what that was like and um, I remember watching the movie JFK, and that movie's built on several conspiracy theories about what really happened behind the, the assassination. And, um, you know, real fascinating movie. And a few years back, I got a chance to go to Dallas. I was on a trip, uh, a conference, and nearby the, um, that, that area where President Kennedy had been shot. And so um, a group went to that area where he was shot, where the grassy knoll is and the Texas Book Depository, and we were really kind of an eerie experience. And um, we're just standing there looking at the buildings and kind of remembering from the movie and the things you've seen on TV. And, and then this guy kind of walks out, of, out from nowhere and he says, Hey, hey guys, I uh, couldn't help but notice you were looking at the buildings. I'm, I'm a tour guide. I'm, I'm finishing up for the day and just waiting for my wife to come and get me. Um, so if you guys want, I can, you know, kind of give you a quick, you know, 50 cent tour in a sense. And um, he says, you know, I just work off of tips and stuff. And like, wow, this is great. You know, what are the chances that we'd have a tour guide here at this moment? It's 8 at night, and 
So he starts walking us around and starts saying different things about what had happened and the different steps. And, and then it started, some of the stories he started sharing seemed uh, a little sketchy. You know, he started talking about how the Southern Baptists were involved in the assassination and then, and then the, uh, uh, Kevin Bacon's dad was the hobo who was on the train and he was involved in, the, in this conspiracy. And you know, the government wants you to believe it was Lee Harvey Oswald, but it was really, and we're like, you know, so the guy that we had, one guy who was kind of our, our ring leader, and he had decided he was going to give the guy $20. And then as the tour was going on, it was down to 10 <laughs> and then down to 5 And then Nathan, he just decides at one point, like, you know what, okay, he gives him $5. But it was really funny, really fascinating. The guy was a scam artist. He was scamming people. We were scammed. And, um, he, you know, he took about 30 minutes of our lives, and he told us his stories. We went back to the hotel room and we, we Googled these different scenarios. And it's all on conspiracy theory uh, web pages that are on there. It's pretty fascinating. But, um, you know, we want good guidance. It frustrates us when we don't get good guidance. Here's another example of bad guidance. There's a video I want to show you. It's a little tough to see. Um, the video is not the greatest quality, but the, but the sound comes through pretty clear. So take a look at this. Okay, I think that's what we'll get. Hello, I am Sherlock, and uh, this is a very historical area, as you know, and I'll be taking you around here, looking at some of the historical buildings, uh, looking at some of the events that have happened, and maybe even meeting some of the characters that have played such an important part in the whole area and the historical aspect of it. So this will be a three-quarter of an hour walk, and if you just follow me, we shall begin down the road. Like, I was willing to take their money, though, so. <clears throat> you know, we all want reliable guides. That's a, that's a bummer, you know, when that happens. I kind of feel for that guy, because that's kind of what happened to us. But, uh, so this morning we're going to look at God's guidance and how we're to respond to God's guidance, okay? He, he wants to be involved <clears throat> to the point to where... Um, we don't doubt that He is active in our life. He wants, to, he wants us to know and to be assured that He's going to walk with us through all of life. There's a listening guide if you'd like to follow along and just walk through this together. At the top of the listening guide, you read this. It says, God's heart is to walk with us through all of life. He wants to walk with us. Deuteronomy 31.6, at the end of Moses' life, he, Moses was a, a leader that God has raised up to... Um, to deliver God's people, the Israelites, out of the hand of Pharaoh in, in Egypt. And you probably know the story. And at the end of Moses' life, God raised up a man named Joshua. And he, he said, Joshua's going to go from here. And one of the things that he said to the people of Israel is, is found in Deuteronomy 31.6. And he says, But be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There's this theme that runs throughout the Bible. And you find it here. You find it over and over within the Old Testament where God 
will go with us. He won't forsake us. He won't leave us. He won't abandon us. He's not going to be like the tour guide who hops on a moped and then just speeds off into the distance as we, as we try to trust Him. I think that's our thought, though. If I trust God with my life, can I count on Him? Can I count on Him being here tomorrow? Can I, if I'm willing to do life His way, can I count on Him to lead me in a direction that, that is good for my life, that, that, that brings blessing? Can I trust Him? <clears throat> so this, this is something that, that I want to look at because God has given us what we need to be assured that He, he really guides us. There's three things I want to highlight as far as God's guidance Um, three major areas of how God guides us today. And then just briefly look at how how we're to respond to His guidance. Next week I'm going to look at um, the Word of God. And really over three weeks I'm going to look at how God's Word is complete, it's authoritative, how it's it's all we need. We're not waiting for other books to come along or other chapters to drop out of the sky or to be found in bushes. It really is all we need. This is God's Word and it's complete. God actually exhaled this. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Scripture says about itself. So next week we're going to look more in detail about God's guidance. And um, there's some additional ways that He guides us. But three that I want to focus on right now is, is the Bible. Let's look at that one first. He's given us the Bible. Okay? He's given us the Scriptures. Um, 2 Timothy, book in the New Testament. Paul, one of the church starters, he started up churches in, in, this, in the area of uh, in the Middle East, and he was, he was basically, his whole uh, mission by God was to go and to reach people who were not Jewish. And so he was like a light to the Gentiles, and he was, he was doing something that was different than other people in that day. He was not the church leader um, like any other, and so he would start churches. He'd place leadership over them, and then he'd go and start another church, and he'd place leadership over them. But he'd correspond back and forth with these churches. And so a lot of the New Testament is his correspondence. God used these words to, um, for us, the church, but they're also written to deal with different problems that came up, to, um, to teach them what was true about God. And so what, what we have here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 it's Paul's talking about the Bible, and he says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything in the Bible is for, is for us. God is using it to guide us in life. And this word... God breathed. And here it says God breathed in the New American Standard, which is an older, very literal translation of the Bible. It says um, all Scripture is inspired by God. Okay? Inspired by God. Um, I think that the word inspired, our English word of inspiration, is different than um, what the Greek is trying to um, communicate to us here. The Greek is a language that was written, that the New Testament was written in. And really what, what you have is the literal translation is that God breathed. He, he exhaled the Scriptures. Okay, this is His Word to us. And when we think of inspiration, we think, oh, it, you know, I, got my, I got my ideas from this guy or that guy. It's, it's, it carries too much of uh, emphasis on the author themselves, 
on the, the writer themselves and not enough on the source. And so, um, but to, for God to breathe something out means it's coming from Him. And God uses different people. There's a passage, Second Peter chapter t- uh, 1, verses 20 and 21. It, it gives another uh, definition of the Scripture. It says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's this process where God was moving men. He was moving these different authors of the Bible to breathe out. To God was breathing it out as He moved them along to actually pen the words of Scripture. This came from God Himself. It's God-breathed. And the Scripture here says it's useful for four things. For teaching, which is simply for learning God's ways, to instruct us in who God is, what His ways are like, so that we know how to live. So the teaching, rebuking. Rebuking is conviction when we have sinned. Sometimes we, we get off track in life and we don't realize it. And then you know, we come to church or we're, we're on our own and we're reading the Bible and we see ourselves in the pages of the Scripture and we say, wow, that's, that's describing me. I've gotten off track here. Wow, how did he know? And sometimes we sit and we hear the messages or we, we read and we think, man, God is he's messing with my mind here. But what it is, is, God is God's Word is living. It's active. It actually deals with real life. So it, it comes along at times, it rebukes us. Sometimes it just instructs us or it teaches us. Sometimes it rebukes us. It, it stops us in our ways to where we recognize, I've gotten off track. Another thing the Scripture says here is that it corrects us. Once we've gotten off track, it points us back in the right direction. The word correction is a straightening up again. It gets us back on track with God. And then finally, he says, and training in righteousness. What this really means is it's like God takes us back to school. This, this wording here is used for elementary school education. You know, sometimes we just need to be back, taken back to the basics. And at times, when we find ourselves getting off track and then our way is corrected, we need to just be kind of given the basics again. And that's, there's this cycle, and pulled this out of a, a book that one of our small groups is working through, and it shows this process of how God's Word is used in our life. You're going along the path, you know, and the, and the teaching is God shows you the path that you're to walk on. And all of a sudden, you take a, you take a turn, and then you're reproved or you're rebuked. It, it shows you just simply where you've gotten off track. Then the Scripture, now you can either keep heading down the wrong road, or you can receive the correction from the Scripture and be put back on the right track and then be trained further on. But there's this process that we go on in life. God wants to guide us through the Scriptures. Sometimes we think, you know, I want to walk with God. I want to begin a relationship with Him and and really do life His way. But then we create our own playbook. We create our own plan. We write our own Scripture in a sense. And we begin to work a plan that's just apart from God, separate from Him. God wants us to use His Word as a guide so that we could stay on track. And when we get on tra- off track, just to respond back to His correction and to get back on track with Him so we can walk on down the road. So the first thing He guides us today with the Scripture. Secondly, He's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Kind of a mysterious character. Oftentimes we think about it or we hear the word Holy Spirit and we kind of, you know, you might get spooked out or you might not be familiar with the idea, it might um, seem superstitious. 
And so, this is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16. He said, this is right at the end of Jesus' life. He's wrapping things up on earth. He's about to be uh, handed over, crucified, and to die. And he's leaving his disciples. And he tells them, hey, I'm going. I'm going to leave you. Don't be troubled. And this is what he says to him. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. So he says, I'm going to send the counselor. The counselor is the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside us to support us in life. The Holy Spirit is, is God himself who comes to dwell inside every person who has yielded their lives to Jesus Christ. So if you've ever done that, if you've ever come to the point where you've yielded your life to Jesus and said, God, I receive this free gift of salvation, I receive forgiveness through Christ, and I'm willing to turn my life around and begin to go your way and have Jesus be the boss of my life, then at that moment that you make that decision, God himself, through the personal Holy Spirit, comes to take up residence inside of you. If you've never done that, I know some of you are still in the process of thinking that through. You're just not sure if if you're ready to um, commit your life to Christ. You try to do things, you try to to do good things in life, but you feel like there's just times where you just do not have what it takes on the inside to pull it off. You can't parent in a way that that is, is good. You can't make choices. You can't have a track record of good choices. Well, the reason is because God, he's not, he's not working on the inside yet. As soon as you yield your life to Jesus Christ, now God can come in and you have God's power at work, which is more power than you could ever create on your own. So we need that. We need God to work on the inside. Here's another passage, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, 21 and 22. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you to stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and He set His seal of ownership on us. And He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment of, of your relationship with God. It's, God has given you the Holy Spirit. He won't take the Holy Spirit away from you. And it's, 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 a, it's God Himself sealing you, sealing your relationship with Him so that, so that you have Him to guide you, to rely on Him as you're walking through life. Now, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit forces God's will onto your life. He doesn't make choices for you. Like, you don't wake up certain days and just be like, like a, like a guy that's just, oh, I'm being led by the Spirit of God. And, and, you, and he, he leads your life in, a, in that supernatural sense. What it is, is that you're going along in life, and God, through the Holy Spirit, He reminds you of things. That, look at this next verse. Verse 26, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit plays this role of reminder in our life. You know, we hear, anybody seen Pinocchio, and you have Jiminy Cricket being the conscience, always let the conscience, your conscience be your guide. You know, we sometimes think of our conscience. Well, God, for a Christian, sometimes when you're just directed by God, you're like, wow, I'm I've got this idea and it ties into something from the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit at work in you. He's, he's guiding you through the Holy Spirit. So as He does that, we want to yield to Him. We want to respond to that. Last thing I just briefly want to touch on as far as God's guidance is He can use godly counsel from others. 
This is the third thing. This is very important and often it's overlooked in the Christian life. He can use godly counsel from others. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool, it seems right to him. But a wise man, he listens to advice. This word fool here, what it means is someone who has chosen a reactive way in life. You're stubborn, which we all are. We're all stubborn. So when we choose a, a stubborn and reactive way in life, man, that just seems right to us. Sometimes we're like, I'm digging my feet in. I'm going to do what I want to do right here, and nobody can, don't tell me what to, and we just lash out. There's a reactionary approach sometimes with our life. Well, we, we set out in our life, someone tries to give us advice, and we react, and we say, don't, don't talk to me about that. I, I got this on my own. Well, the Scripture says that's a foolish pattern. But a wise man actually listens to advice. When we were praying about the location for where to begin this church, we were, for about eight years, God had been preparing us to, to start a church, to move and to start a church. And so the church that we were getting all of our training at um, was like a training ground for us. And as we were there, oftentimes um, I would just try to get as much advice from the leaders there, the pastor and some of the other leaders just pick their brains. And I'd say, you know, you've planted your church. You've, he, the pastor there has been there for 21 years, and, and he started it from scratch in his house. And so we were planning the same thing. It made sense to go and talk to someone who did the same thing we were about to do. But sometimes we think, oh, I'll just work my plan here. I've got a better idea than they've got. Have you ever thought that? I've got, I'm, I'm working my plan. So it's just books are helpful, but... Books are not as important as getting time-tested, proven advice from people who've got real experience. So when you're making decisions, get advice. Get advice from people who know you well. If you're coming upon a big decision, don't just think, ah, oh, this way seems right to me. That's, that, according to Scripture, the way of the fool seems right to him. Don't just think, oh, well, this looks right. You know, it's, it's clear. This has got to be what we've got to do. Well, ask, ask some people who know you well. Also, ask some people who understand the decision that needs to be made. Ask some people about that. If you're making a major decision, ask someone who's done that same thing. And the other thing is, ask people who have a godly perspective on life, who, who take God seriously. That's very important. Look at Proverbs 20:18. It says, Make plans... By seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. The implication here is that people's lives are on the line. So, get advice. Check in. Many of the decisions that you and I make are life-altering choices. And to make them based on what seems right to us is, is, is foolish. So don't miss this part of God's guidance. When it comes to relationships, dating, major financial purchases, careers, anything that has major impact on you and on your family, you're going to want to check with some people on that. Get advice. Most of some of the best ideas that I've ever had, the things that seem right to me, as soon as I get advice, it, like, it opens up a whole new spectrum for me. Like, wow, where did that come from? I had no idea. I was missing that altogether. I almost made a decision that really, really would have changed my future, would have changed my, 
my children would have changed everything about me. So it's very important. So God's guidance, it comes up in those three ways. There's some other ways I want to talk about next week, but it comes up. We need His guidance through those things, but what, what I want to say about those three things, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and counsel, is that there should be a convergence of these things around the Word of God. If you get one, like you get guidance from counsel, and it's, it's you know, you thought, man, I'm going to go to this person because they usually give good advice. But what they tell you doesn't line up with the Word of God, doesn't line up with what God's Spirit seems to be saying to you on the inside. There's just un- something unsettling, but this person's telling you, you really should do this, or here's my advice, but it seems out of line, then it's probably not from God. God's guidance will converge together, and the standard is the Scriptures. The standard is we can count on this because this doesn't change. This is complete. It's, it's finished. And so what I always like to do is when I get guidance, when I get advice, when, I'm, when I sense the Holy Spirit saying something to me, I want to make sure there's convergence to God's Word. I want to make sure that it lines up. Because God will never violate His written Word. Okay? On the back side of your outline, you see this. As God guides our life in major areas, and even in just the small day-to-day choices, we have a response to make. We have to decide what to do. The, the main response you, wanted, you want to take is to obey. Simply obedience. When God begins to guide your life, it's very, very important just to, just to yield your life to Him, to obey. And so here's just briefly some things about obedience from the New Testament. Actually, there's one Old Testament verse in here as well, but obedience is evidence of truly knowing God. According to 1 John 2, verses 3-6, through 6, it's tied to our love for God. It says, we know that we have come... We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. It's evidence that we really know God. When we obey Him, it's evidence. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what, what He commands, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly, truly made complete in him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. So, verse 4, going back to verse 4, if you could. To have a pattern of just deliberate disobedience or, or apathy, like, oh, I really don't care what God says, that really calls our love for Him into question. It calls our relationship to Him into question. If we just don't care about what He says, we don't care about what He's commanded us to do, then we need to check our, our, our relationship with Him and make sure that we really have yielded our life to Him. My understanding of what it means to become a Christian is that it's not just believing in Jesus Christ, but it's also it's a belief that leads you to um, yield your life to Him. To say, God, you're, you're in charge now. I give you leadership. It doesn't mean we don't struggle with that. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. But to know Him is, is a willingness to obey His commands. It's not just trusting a moral compass. Sometimes we think, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with God. I'm going to do life God's way. And then what we think that means is we just create our own moral compass. And we just, we think, does this seem good or not? But we don't really go and we don't check the source. So it's important to check the source. Verse 6 is interesting. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. That's a pretty scary statement. 
I mean, it scares me because Jesus did some pretty um, radical things. He did some major, he made some choices that really would be difficult to make for all of us. You know, Jesus was more than just a good teacher and good with children. Oftentimes we see paintings of Jesus and he's sitting there and he's talking and there's a bunch of sheep and some kids. And we're like, I need to be like that. You know, I need to be pleasant and just be a good guy. It's happy and kids like and animals seem to walk up to and feed out of your hands. And that's what it means to, to walk with God. But Jesus was more than just that. He was actually, he was humble, which means that he put others first. He lowered himself and he put others ahead of himself. I don't know about you, but that's not something I like to line up to do. He was a servant. From sunup to sundown, people were grabbing at him, trying to get time with Jesus, get, get his attention to be healed, to be cared for, to be talked to. And that, that's, that weighs on you. I don't know about you, but if you're not a people person and people want time with you, and you're like, oh, this is draining. I need some. I need some me time. I need to just go and crash on the couch in my, or in my, in my recliner. Well, Jesus didn't have that freedom. You know, he took alone time to pray and to get his batteries recharged. As soon as he, sometimes he'd be interrupted in prayer. Hey, people are looking for you, Jesus. That's, you know, that's the way Jesus lived his life. People were constantly on his mind. He was constantly meeting people's needs. Another thing is, if we're going to walk as Jesus did, he sacrificed himself. He gave up his life. So we've got to ask ourselves, am I really willing to walk as Jesus did? Am I really, is my obedience, you know, it would, would that really truly be evidence that I know God? Another thing is obedience or obeying God's commands today keeps us in fellowship with God and his future guidance. It's really important today to obey God. God brings something to your mind through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, through counsel. You, you see things converging and you hear, wow, God is really trying to get my attention in this one area. I know He's trying to say something to me here. It's important to obey Him when He makes His point. It's just extremely important. John 14.21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love Him and show myself to Him. When we obey God, it keeps us in fellowship with Him. And it proves our love for Him. Not only that, but He begins to manifest, or He begins to show Himself to us. What we want is we want to know that our lives are lined up with what God wants. We want, to, we want Him to show us how life really works. The implication is if you don't obey His commands, then He doesn't show Himself to us. He kind of cuts us off from our ability to understand what He really wants. Things go dark in our life. And this, this happens to us. You've been walking with Jesus Christ and you decide, you know what, I'm just going to not spend time with Him. I'm not going to get to know Him and what He said in the Bible and try to live my life that way. I'm just going to follow my moral compass. Um, the guidance stops. Things go fuzzy. We hit a lot of dead ends in our life. So it's very important to obey His commands today. And as you do, if you begin to obey your, His commands... What it is, is it's like you've been walking around with a bad prescription on your eyeglasses and then all of a sudden you obey God and He gives you a new set of lenses. And you're like, wow, that's how life really works. Wow, God. And then you can walk in a new direction. 
He gives you the ability to see what's before you. Another thing is this. God wants instant obedience. Instant. Not only does He want us to deal with it today, but instantly when He points it out, He wants us to learn to obey Him, to build a pattern of this. Psalm 119, 59, and 60 says, I've considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. The writer of the psalm here is saying, I'm not going to... I'm not going to mull. I'm not going to dilly-dally. I'm not going to put it off till tomorrow. But when you make something clear, I'm not going to hasten. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey instantly. This is really important. Delayed obedience, you've probably heard this before, delayed obedience is disobedience. And you may not have thought about that, but as a parent, delayed obedience is disobe- disobedience, isn't it? I read that in a book somewhere. And, uh, you know, you're like, this has been really hard with my first son. This is really hard still. So I'm be really honest. This is just constantly hard. But I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And with my five-year-old, we would say, Gabriel, don't do that. And he would like, or we'd say, Gabriel, go pick up your toys and then go to your room. One, two, three, three. And we'd give him this long ability to disobey, basically. Well, what we realized was the counting or the delayed, I'm going to, don't make me say this, don't make me raise my voice. Now, I tell you, I'm really honest. This, I still struggle with this. But when he disobeys, it's, 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 it looks that way. He just waits. So with him, we said, okay, we eventually got to the point, and someone pointed it out to us. You, you might not want to count. You might just want to say, pick up the toys and go to your room. No, he didn't do it. Okay, now you're in trouble. And so, because that's disobedience, isn't it? Think of police, you know. They say, get on the floor. One. Two. No, I know some cops. I have some friends, and they tell me their stories. Get on the floor, bam! <laughs> it's not, it doesn't take them long to, to help them out with that. The same way as with God. I, I, I wish this really weren't the case, but God really wants us to obey Him quickly. When, when, when He points something out, He just wants us to, to respond to Him. So instantly is really important. Another thing is build a pattern of application. Build a pattern of application in your life. Now this is where the Bible ties in. Again, James 1.22 it says, do not merely listen to the Word. Do what it says. I'm sorry, I left that line. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you're new to faith in Christ, don't treat the Bible just like a novel where you're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this like a novel. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read from front to the end, and I'm going to dive really deep, and I'm going gonna, gonna to get to know every little thing, and I'm going to... What I think God wants us to do, He does want us to get to know what He says in detail and deeply know Him. But He doesn't want us to treat this like a novel. He wants us to to read it, to ask Him for practical insight on what we've read, and then to do it. He's actually trying to change our lives through the Scripture. God has a bias for change. He doesn't want us to stay the same. And so, when we read the Scripture, it's really important to not... Try to read too much at one time. 
If you're doing a Bible study on something, you just really want to figure something out, that's the time to, to read a lot and to read really deep. But if you're just trying to get to know God and yield your life to Jesus Christ on a daily basis, what's important is to take sections that you can get a grip on and to ask Him, God, help me understand this. Ask His Holy Spirit. If you've become a Christian, ask His Holy Spirit to help you make sense of this to where you go, ah, I see what I can do with this. And then to go do something with it. Write down a note. I am going to obey God today by this. Sometimes you want to share that with people. But God wants to change our lives. He doesn't just want to make us really good at Bible trivia. He wants to change us. He wants us to become more and more like His Son. The last thing is this. Disobedience is actually a sin. Just disobedience is is a sin. We sin against God when we disobey. James 4.17 says this. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Think about parenting. You're clear with the boundaries. You tell your child what they're supposed to do. They blow past the boundaries. What do you do? They've, done, they've sinned. They've done wrong. Think about it on the job. Your boss is very clear. He says, here's what I want. Here's the project I want you to work on. Here's the assignment. Here's the scope. And you ignore what he says. What should he do to you? Reprimand him. We hope he doesn't. We hope he's not looking. We hope we can sneak one past him. But, but disobedience is, is it's, it's, we get off track. When we disobey obey or just flat out ignore what God says, we sin against God. And the way to get back on track is we confess our sin to God. I'm just going to close with this verse. We looked at some uh, in 1 John chapter 2. In the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, he says this. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you might not sin. But if anybody does sin, which we all do and will continue to struggle with doing life our own way and wrestling with what God says, he says, But if you do sin... We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And then he goes to the thought we looked at earlier. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. There's a cycle here. When, if we know him, then that means we, we, we do want to obey what he says. We, we should have that desire inside of us to want to please him. And it's not because we're trying to earn his salvation or his favor it's already been given freely to us but it's simply out of our relationship with god we want to obey him and when we get off track we have someone who steps in and who's already paid the price for us but we still need to say god i've blown it i want to confess that what i've done here is wrong it's sin i didn't do what you told me to do i ignored it or i didn't do it right away and that's sin god would you help me to get back on track with you because i want to know what to do i want to know how to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you I don't want to be cut off from what you're saying to me tomorrow because I'm unwilling to deal with what you're saying to me today. It's a really important issue. Obedience is very, very critical. kind of gave an overview of obedience right now, but there's a whole lot more. If you'll get into the New Testament, if you'll get into the book of 1 John, you really can learn some things about the importance of obeying God and what it means to really yield your life to Him each day. So I'd encourage you to apply this maybe by reading 1 John in your time with God. Maybe to take a chapter each day and to begin to think through, how can I apply this to my life? Let's pray and go to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We ask you to be with us, God, throughout the rest of this day. And we, um, we, we thank you, God, that you've been really clear with us about 
how to walk with you. God, there really isn't confusion um, according to your scriptures. To know you is to obey your commands. And to love you is to obey your commands. And God, we, we do love you. And we struggle at the same time, Lord. And so we ask, God, that you would help us to build patterns that are new, God, in our life. That we'd build patterns to where we're quick to obey you. And, when, uh, and then we see you come through in our life. Again, we thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.